0: Well, let's let's get started. Cool. I'm John. I'm Ron.
1: <laughs> he thinks he's Ronald. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, Steve. Like, well, I'm, I'm Steve. I'm Mike Finazza. Oh, what's that? Wait a second. <laughs> exactly. oh, I've no. got Where's the one? wrong podcast. <laughs>
2: That's
3: exciting. Very exciting. You guys,
2: welcome to episode 160 of Movie Shmovie. Uh If your ears are working, you did hear a fourth guest here tonight. Yes. Uh, who is... Well, I know I'm very excited to have you here, Mike. We just met tonight, but yeah, yeah. you were kind enough to let me and the guys here had seen it prior to, to check out your, your film, Wits End, which we're going to talk about a little bit. But uh, but welcome oh, to thank Movie, movie. Yeah. I love
1: the show so thank you guys. For Man, watching. that makes me Who paid feel you to say that. <laughs> <laughs> you know
2: Ronald the Best? Did you fucking pay him?
1: No, you know it's weird the first episode I listened to Ronald was not on and I didn't know you were on the show until like the second really? episode I listened to. <laughs> the first episode I listened to it was cuz I listened to it because my friend Chris La Martina was on the uh, show. yeah. Uh, and I think it was just you two. And so yeah, I listened to that with, f- with f- Melissa as well. Right, yeah. right, yeah. But, His yeah, wife right. and mm-hmm. uh yeah, so I was like, "Oh, like uh it's like you, John. I was like, you're really thoughtful in the way you talk about movies and stuff. And I just enjoyed listening to the show. And I was like, let's listen to another episode. And then I just have a habit of I always skip the first few minutes of podcast episodes because yeah, mm-hmm. I don't like ads or intros. Yeah. <laughs> Good <laughs> news. We don't have any ads. Yeah. You're welcome. We don't, we don't really so. do intros either. <laughs> so I started off listening to like another episode. I was like, why does that voice like sound yeah. so familiar? Yeah, that voice. And I don't pay attention to like social media like barely at all. So like I didn't even know Ronald, who's my friend, but I've known for years <laughs> yeah. (laughs) (laughs) had a podcast and uh no so i was like pleasantly surprised at like uh one that like there's a really good podcast about movies and that my friends on it and yeah you guys are awesome so glad to be here thanks
3: man it feels good to to, for one (laughs) you do stand up i do stand up you do more stand up than i do but we both do stand up and you're creating shit and it's it's amazing to kind of see it happen and unfold in the way that it is and, and it's of quality and that's cool too and Thanks,
0: man. So So we actually talked about Wits End Mike's film a few episodes ago. Yeah. 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 Um, and now that we've all seen it, I don't think we've actually talked about it since Steve had had seen it.
2: No, maybe briefly, but
0: But I know that we all really responded to the sort of emotional arc of the movie, and, and not to say that we were surprised that it got us, but, you know, you watch an indie film or a right, film right. that your friend made, and you're kind of expecting, like, I'm going to laugh at a few things, and it's not going to be out of focus, and the, the performers are going to remember their lines, yeah. and I'm going to be impressed that it's just a movie. It right? got through And that. I mean yeah. that with all, yeah. like, no, no sincerity I, I, I totally and optimism. If I say, hey, man, that's awesome. I mean, like, you made something. We talk yeah, about it all the time, all time. on here, but yeah. making something is so much more involved, and you put so much of your heart and soul into that but to actually see a movie that does something to me that i mean it's rare that a movie does it where you actually get that little charge of surprise um, when you see what a movie's actually doing and sure. whichin definitely had that kind of emotional punch to it so, oh, thanks, so man. to me that's a that's a real accomplishment you know to get a cynic uh, right, right, right. <laughs> to feel something I, I
1: appreciate that i think a lot of people are just surprised that it's not that I, like i've shown it to just because it's like i'm a I do stand up and have yeah. a lot of friends in the movie that do stand up. So I think people expect it to be like an out and out comedy and it's not. Mm-hmm. So I think the fact that like, it does try to make you feel something is like a little weird for some people. Yeah. So I'm really glad you guys responded to that yeah. because I feel like the first time I showed it to you, cause I think you were rough cut Ronald before yeah. it was finished. And like you told me, you're like, I was watching it. And then I had to watch it a second time because I was like, "What the fuck is this?" <laughs> yeah. Like, because I was expecting you. Said, you told me you were expecting a comedy. Yeah, yeah, so I And that's that's kind of like a reaction I got a few times. Has like, anyone come up to you and said, "I saw your film.
0: I'm so sorry." Yeah, <laughs> I, I've, <laughs> I've, I've I've gotten a
1: few. Is everything okay at home? Yeah. Uh, but All right. uh, but yeah, I, so far like the reactions have been like really positive. So that's been nice. That's cool. And I, can,
2: can we like step back a little bit? I kind of mm-hmm. want to just know a little bit more uh having just met you Hmm? uh, like what was what was the process of this film like when did you start the idea when did you come up with the idea like what kind of a learning process was it for you
1: Uh, well i've like always wanted to make movies and i made like a long like student (coughs) film what what i call my student film like before i started doing Mm stand-up and then like i started doing comedy and like that almost like became like a six-year detour for making movies because like i ended up like doing stand up on the road a lot like kind of like in the movie like a lot of the the shitty cities the guy performs in the movies i've done all those mm. um, so like that kind of took away from ma- like time to make movies and stuff so sure. like i finally got to like a place like last year where it was like i really miss making movies and like that's like what i really want to do with like my life so like i finally like was like let's do it and i i Kind of, like, wanted to start with, like, what do I have access to? Sure. Um So, like, I, I started thinking about that before I wrote it in terms of, like, because I think a lot of, like, indie movies, like, paint themselves in corners where it's, like, let's make a movie in a spaceship. And then you have no money to mm. do that. So, I was, like, all right, I know I have access to, like, comedians and a comedy club. So, like, let's start there. And that was March of last year. Oh, wow. That I wrote it. Like or thought of the idea, and then I had like a like mini tour doing stand up in May, so that's when I focused on it was like, all right, I'm gonna write this while I'm on the road and like I finished like the forty page outline we shot with like in that month, oh, wow. um and then we were shooting wow. in summer and uh, showed it to an audience for the first time in February. So, it was a pretty quick turnaround that's like incredible. as far as like movies go. Yeah, yeah, I
3: didn't know I didn't know the window was that. Yeah, you were wrong.
1: one of the first people I showed it to. Like that oh. was like a rough cut like You're really you know, important, Ronald. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that that is so funny. You didn't flattering. know it before, you do now. <laughs> yeah.
3: Well, let me ask you this cuz there's a there's a good balance of authenticity and uh, there's a monotony to kind of being on the road and doing shitty shows. How'd you balance kind of showing that monotony without making the movie boring and still moving the story forward? Because it, it, you have to convey the monotony right, right. sort of the road stuff and right. but still keep it going. And, and well, it, it was done in a really good way. So I was wondering. Oh, how I
1: appreciate it, that. I, yeah, for me, it was about. <clears throat> um like i wanted to tell a story about the guy and like stand-up was like separately like Mm -hmm. the stand-up part of the movie really comes out of like that's just what i know about so like that's his job and it could Mm -hmm. have really been any other job like that's actually what i'm really proud about in the movie is like i feel like a lot of movies about comedians or artists which i think we'll talk about later Mm -hmm. in this episode like it's that's the focus of the movie and like to me it's like for this story it was like no it's the focus on this guy and the situation he's in, and like stand ups, just kind of like any other job. Mm. So, like, yeah, I kind of wanted to fit that in there that way. Um, and yeah, just kind of like show like the monotony of like, it, like taking the piss out of like declorifying like any other job. Like, mm. to me, I wanted to make it like comedian could have been paper salesman in sure, that movie. Right, 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 right. Um, so yeah, just kind of like trying to like balance that and the relationship in the movie, and um, yeah, like the story we're telling, like it's kind of like a fine balance, but like that was just like what I tried to focus on was like the guy first and what's interesting to his story right, and kind right. of how stand up works around that. Okay.
0: So, cool. So you were saying um that it was a forty page outline. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Does that mean a lot of the dialogue was improvised?
1: Kind of. It's kind of like uh, like curb your enthusiasm, uh where it's like every beat they're saying is there, but like we don't have the dialogue scripted out like a traditional mm-hmm. script format um so like they're putting it in their own words the actors are um mm-hmm. but yeah like we have like the point of every scene and like pretty much the point of every line they're saying is on the page it's just mm-hmm. not like in um like word for word it's not yeah. there
0: it's like make it sound like you would say it or... exactly yeah mm-hmm. and i
1: think that like that's one of the things i'm really proud of in the movie is like how naturalistic the conversations mm-hmm. feel like to me they like i wanted them to feel like real conversations mm-hmm. and i think that like one of am well, honestly, like, one of my weakest things is I don't write dialogue, you know, particularly well. Like, I think um, when I've tried to write scripts in the past, all the characters sound like me. And I wanted to <laughs> – and I, nobody wants to watch that movie. It's called the,
0: the – you've, you've got Joss Whedon disease. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> right. And
1: Well, there's some people that do that, you know, really No, no, well. no I like yeah. Joss Whedon, but
0: he definitely yeah. – everybody is a is a wisecracker exactly. every, you know, or with a vocabulary. Or yeah. Sorkin yeah. or,
1: um, you know, Woody Allen has a little bit of that. and um Yeah, but for me, it's like I wanted each character to kind of like be unique and, you know, have like their own personality. So it's like I based them around friends and it was more of like, all right, well, this is the point of the scene. You're going to put that in your words. And Mm -hmm. um, I I just wanted it to feel really authentic and kind of avoid the pitfalls of, you know, everybody sounding like the writer. Well, how much of that
0: was Jason Weems, who plays the lead? How much? Because, I mean, he's he's a stand up as Mm -hmm. well. And he's I would imagine that the life experiences you were pulling from to, you know, to create the film. Were similar to ones he's been through. Right. Was that just a real calculated decision that you knew you needed not just an actor but an actual comic to play that part? And how much of that was him and how much of that was the character you created on the page?
1: Um, all of the above, really. Like I think that. Um, well, one, like I wanted to, like when I was like thinking of who could play that part, um, I wanted to make, I wanted to make the the character different than I've seen standups be in movies before. Mm-hmm. And like, uh, do you guys know Doug Powell? Um, He's a great stand-up comedian, and he's a great actor, too, Um, Mm -hmm. and he's kind of looks like me and like that's who i originally thought could play this part and it turned out he was like kind of busy and like working on like four movie projects himself and then like when i thought of like so i just went from there i'm like all right well who's the best comedian i know Mm -hmm. and that's jason weems like he's so good and so talented and like the more like i thought of him it was just like i thought that was actually more interesting in some ways because i feel like i've seen the schlubby white guy comedian in a movie before (laughs) and it was like well this way it's like you know the i think that actually adds a little bit more um depth to the situation in terms of, like this guy's really charismatic on stage and he's like really energetic and then we mm-hmm. could show like the opposite of that Definitely. off stage it works. um and i think like for like weems in particular like um, him and I are actually kind of similar personality wise. Mm-hmm. So we do share a lot of the same experiences and <clears throat> a lot of like perception of the same experience, uh, experiences. And I think it shocks people like how, um, I don't think he mind me saying this, but he's like a little shy off stage. He's a little mm-hmm. introverted. Um, he's a lot more like me than he is on stage. So like, I just thought that was like a really interesting contrast and um so yeah it kind of like started there with like finding the best comedian and then it was like oh well, that's just a really interesting contrast from person to performer Definitely. that you know mm-hmm. i hope plays in the movie
3: yeah <clears throat> how's getting the Excuse movie me? out then how, how have you been going about doing that um
1: well we've got a bunch of independent screenings set up oh, we just cool. started um uh submitting to film festivals um which is kind of like a painstaking crappy <laughs> process. And it's endless. I mean, it's yeah. like you could you, – have you selected your, your 10 or 20 or whatever? Yeah, and we actually – there's a cool thing. We worked with um, – there's a film festival consultant named Chris Holland who like used to program for like Austin and South by Southwest. Oh, wow. And he actually has a, um, a process and a business to where he'll watch your movie – He'll figure out your goal. Like, you'll tell him what your goal is for the movie, and he basically helps you figure out what's the best festivals Festival. and wow. um, for, the, for the flick. And so we worked with him, and he gave us some suggestions. There were some ones that we had um, that we just want to, you know, apply to. They're like milestones for us. But something that's actually really cool that um, – I'm not supposed to talk about now, but I'll share with you guys because I think oh. it'll. Uh, <laughs> I think it'll be uh, official by the time this airs. Is this is gonna be out like in a week or so. Or uh, that...
0: it'll be a week from Friday.
1: Awesome! So we should be good by then. So we did not get into the Maryland Film Festival. Um, like that's every awesome. other local movie that's ever applied there. Oh, yeah. um, so yeah. uh, So a few other filmmakers who I think a few of us are friends with, uh, like Bob Rose, yeah. uh, Mark Colgrove. Uh, Sean Jones and Kevin Perkins. So I know you know Steve. Um, We basically all got together and uh, we've put together our own film festival. Wow. um, Which is going to be in conjunction with the Senator. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm really pumped about seeing Wits End play there. Um, And that's going to be at the end of May. That's great, man. um, Yeah, it's going to be called Bump Fest. Uh, <laughs> uh, Baltimore, like Baltimore Underground Motion Picture Festival. Wow. <laughs> That's great, dude. But, um, yeah, it's going to be actually, and we're hoping to, and the senator sounds really pumped about doing it every year. So... Um, yeah, hopefully it's just gonna be a forum for local filmmakers to show movies. Um, that's wonderful. and to anyone
0: who's not local, the Senator is sort of our local old movie house. You yeah, know, yeah. I think it's most an, towns yeah, have Mico. have one, whether it's being kept up or not. But yeah, the Senator and, is definitely the, the you know, the kind of landmark. Yeah. Uh, and so yeah, that is a cool that's a cool place yeah. with a lot of meaning. Yeah,
1: and it, it, I, I remember seeing John, like, you know, Crybaby Hell John yeah, Watt, me by John too. Waters Absolutely. when I was a kid there. And um, so, like, personally, it's like awesome for, you know, us just to like show our movies there. And I think it'd be a cool thing. And it's nothing against the Maryland Film Festival. Like, I, I've gone most years, you know, since I was in yeah. high school. Mm-hmm. And they, they run a great, you know, festival. And uh, we just, you know,. Just want to offer something a little bit different and mm-hmm. hopefully it's something where it's like there's room for all of us and we're obviously not going to run them out of town right. either so well you never uh, know
0: what the rationale is for not being picked so it's hard to get yeah. too bent out of right, shape right. about it but when it's a local thing and you sort of i mean you that's you're sort of you got your fingers crossed for that hometown for push, yeah you know? yeah
1: and that was the first big festival we applied for and it's frustrating because it's like you know like i said like i've been there a bunch of years and i've seen our movie play with three different audiences and i've never seen a movie play play at the maryland film festival that well so mm-hmm. i i do wonder like you know shots what, fired yeah yeah, <laughs> look out, look yeah. <laughs> which i don't think even that would be shots fired at the maryland film festival yeah, <laughs> joe yeah. swanberg or whatever movie i watched yeah, last year yeah. and who makes great stuff uh, yeah. but um <laughs> but yeah like no like I, I really enjoy my experiences there and i'm sure there's a lot that goes into picking movies and mm-hmm. some of it like i like the guy i uh, we know the guy who runs the festival jet a little bit, and he even told me before he watched the movie that you know it's you know it 's nothing personal this is a long process but like honestly it 's really tough for submitted films because we invite a lot of movies from Toronto and sundance mm-hmm. so like we I heard that before he ever watched our movie or it's knew about yeah. so and so yeah and I, I don't you know now that you know I'm probably going to be on the other end of it a little bit and running this thing it's like I'm sure I'll get an even better understanding that, yeah. and right. you know it's a lot of good movies they see and I mean they've released the list of the t- uh, the first 10 movies that are going to be shown there and they have movie stars in them so yeah. our movie has Tommy Simbazo so <laughs> yeah, so so I totally get local it. comedian yeah Tommy Simbazo um, so yeah like I, I totally get that and appreciate maybe he's that.
0: not local I don't want to I'm saying he's local to us, but he yeah. just, he belongs to the world. I'm exactly. not. I'm trying to <laughs> knock Tommy down.
3: Well, congratulations, man! I I, Thanks, I, I, will, be there. Oh. Yeah. I will
1: be there. Yeah, be there. Yeah. So I, that sounds awesome. Those are some good people Bob putting fest. that together. Bob's a good buddy of mine, and uh, Kevin's a good dude, and mm. uh They yeah, used to work together. Yeah, he yeah. said that he worked for you. Was it yeah. MGM?
2: Uh, no, we worked at Allied. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Uh, that was a client that we had, but I still see Kevin all the time. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, that's great that uh, we we went to his. Uh, he had his film premiere at the Senator, mm-hmm. the My Boring Zombie Apocalypse, mm-hmm. yeah. where a lot a lot of trailers popped up for for Sean's movie. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I'm assuming that's the film that they're gonna have yeah. there. Hopefully, yeah. So man, cool.
1: this, I'm gonna look so stupid if like dates change or whatever. Nah, but, no, uh, no, no pressure. No, uh, no pressure. Uh, but no, so yeah, it's. Well, I know these are gonna be who's involved, but like the first night, it's uh, Mark Colgrave's gonna show his movie driven to succeed um, <clears throat> with Kevin's movie. Okay, um, cool. And then the second night's going to be our movie um, with a few, like, local shorts. And then the third night is going to be the premiere of Sean Jones' movie, Camp Killers. Cool. Um cool. Which I've seen clips of, and it's awesome. So, cool. I can't wait gonna, to see that. Yeah. So it should be a lot of fun. And just to see it in that theater is going to be awesome.
2: So. Mm. Absolutely, man. Wow. Mm-hmm. It's a bucket list item right there. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. the Senator, man. And
1: yeah. now that's going to be my goal because I want to keep making movies. So it's like now the goal is to have a movie ready for the next Bump Fest at the Senator. Like yeah, hopefully right. I'll have something ready. At least if it's a short or a feature, just like something every year to show. Is there so. anything
2: that you're working on now that you can talk about?
1: I have, yeah, I do have rough ideas for the next movie. I mean that's part of like with the turnaround of Wits End. Um, like I've been working <laughs> on this nonstop since yeah. last, you know, March and – on, so um, yeah, I have something that I've just been talking to recently to my uh, film partner, uh, Kevin Brennan. We've uh, been batting ideas back and forth, and it's called Bored in the USA. So hopefully, we'll film that later this summer. Very yeah, cool.
0: Wow. So, yeah, that's awesome. I mean, seriously, to, to finish that film, the fact that it was just a little over a year ago that you were, you were cooking it up. And here we are talking about it. I mean that timeline that's that's amazing. Like I take (laughs) a year just to decide whether or not to start writing the thing that I think is a good idea. You know, so to me (laughs) that's that's huge. Like and if the fact that you're already working on the next one, I mean that's what you hope for. If someone's a filmmaker and they're starting out and you like what they're doing, doing, you want to know that they're already thinking about that next thing and that
1: next Uh, thing, you know, uh, so thanks, mate. Yeah, and that's the thing too. It's like for like anybody who like wants to do it. Like Mm -hmm. I found the trick for me is like to not give yourself time to talk yourself out of it. Uh. Yeah. So it's like for me with wit's end it's like i just all right i got this idea i'm gonna start telling people who i'm writing parts for Mm -hmm. and then i kind of have a vague timeline of when i'm gonna do it yeah so then you've by that point it's like all right well i can't convince myself this is shitty yet so (laughs) uh so like before you know it you're starting filming and uh so like that's kind of what i'm doing with the next one too so
0: once you do that it's like being in a band and then you yeah like there's a gang effect to Mm -hmm. it where you're like well i don't I no longer care what the outside world thinks of this Absolutely. because we've got this group here, and everybody here seems to think it's okay, and these people aren't dummies and then you almost it's almost like then you're rolling you know right, but getting right. from the it's getting from I have an idea to that point I right. think is yeah. the herculean task and, you and know? that's
1: my favorite part of doing this too like I really do look at it as like a band and like mm-hmm. that's my favorite part is working with actors and collaborating and getting these ideas out and you know there's some days where it's like you're not the most into it and somebody else is going to carry you and there, are you know days where it's like somebody's gonna have a better idea than you and that's going to make the movie better and like to me it's like that excitement of just working with people and figuring out what's going to come next and who it's going to come from like that's awesome to me so Mm -hmm. um yeah so it's like that's a a lot of people from wit's end are going to be involved in the next movie in some capacity so like that's what i'm most excited about is just doing something else with my friends and kind of keep each other going Uh,
2: what uh, i'm curious just in, in in during production of this film did what what was like one of the biggest challenges as being like you're you're you know getting back into the thick of it like what what did you right. happen that you were just like fuck um if anything maybe it was perfect no right i mean I, if, if,
1: if, the thing is like we i mean we don't have we didn't have money on this yeah. movie so um so like yeah there are gonna be challenges and everything um there weren't so much we like we had like so many talented people that like worked for free, so it's just like oh, these are my friends just making me cackle and heck yeah, mm-hmm. there were some takes ruined by by me laughing <laughs> um, um, that's awesome, yeah, I actually,
0: when watching what's in thought to myself oh this is this is moving like when he gets on the road i I was honestly thinking. Oh, it's an indie film. There's going to be 30 yeah. minutes of someone sitting around their apartment looking out the window before right, they right. do something, you know. And the fact that he gets on the road was one of the things that made it feel like a real narrative with a, with a real with a real destination, I think.
1: That was my worry with the movie too is that because it like it isn't a straight comedy and um there aren't you know a lot of like bi- like uh big set pieces. Yeah. Um so it's like I really I, I was afraid people would get bored in watching it, and that's the, the thing I've been happiest with, is like especially watching it with an audience. It really does fly. Um, mm-hmm. Thank you all for watching yeah. it. I yeah, just I appreciate, appreciate it. Thanks for giving no us a problem. chance. Well, thanks for coming on to talk about Wits
0: In. Now we can actually get to some some more like a, a regular episode of Movie Shmovie, but it is connected. You know, this is the topic for tonight's episode is films about creative people, and when we were talking about having you on, I thought this would be a good topic. Although your reason for choosing this this type of character is actually very boring. It's just because it's what you do. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> it still is an interesting thing to think about those types of movies that are about people who are going out on a limb of some sort and doing but... something creative, be it writing or music or film. Mm. So, as usual, before we do a topic episode, I'm going to throw that out to you guys. What did it mean to you, Ronald, when you were choosing the movies that were by an artist or were about an artist or a creative person? What, what were your criteria? Like? Well...
3: I chose movies that directly affected uh, my creative process. Literally, two of these movies made me do things—some illegal—that uh, <laughs> had to do with the, the subject matter of the movie, or, or some aspect of the profession or a creative venture that this person had. But yeah, it, it all was—it it all inspired me. Mm-hmm. It, it was—it's the level of inspiration that came from watching these things. And I and I never thought I would see a movie that would make me want to do something mm-hmm. until I saw a couple of these movies. So, yeah.
1: What about you, Mike? Uh, well, There are a few things. One, it's a lot of what Ronald said, too. It's like, especially growing up, there was a lot of movies where it's like, man, that makes makes me want to go out there and be in a band or like do something in the movie where you relate so much. So it's like, oh, I want to be part of that. So there's mm-hmm. definitely a level of that. I also picked a lot of movies that influenced the movie, Wits End, um, mm-hmm. just because I thought that was... You know a tie-in also just sort are of my favorite movies so mm-hmm. yeah there's a lot of uh, a lot of like personal favorites and I have a few that uh, maybe aren't like typical choices that I just hope people see and you mm-hmm. know so I want to bring those up as well cool what about you Steve
2: I kind of just try to think of uh in terms of like the just the creative process whether it's music or movies or art whatever it is just the process of creating and then the reception of you know, how it affects those that receive it, you know, whether mm-hmm. it was an intended audience or an audience that found it by accident. Right, right. Um, Just basically try to cover both sides of um, what somebody puts into something and, and, and what it means to people. So I tried to cover both sides of that spectrum. Mm-hmm.
0: I actually think that I, I it, it's another one of those lists that when I looked at it, I realized this says something sort of bad about me because. Um, remember when we did the episode about characters that give you the most feels or whatever? <laughs> and I had characters like King Kong and Barton Fink and people like that. They're all these miserable <laughs> yeah. like, or doomed characters. Yeah. I realized when I was making this list that, like, all of my films are very cynical about the creative process right. or about the creative person. But they're also, as a person who is creative, I take them, maybe it's at a certain stage in life, I look at those films as the ones that ring the truest to me. Mm. But. I don't know what that's. You guys will have to tell me if that means that maybe I need to seek help or something, because I do you think I do that, think there's something about the inspiration. Um, I, I don't think I missed this. <laughs> well, um, I'm hyper vigilant, but I, there's something about the inspirational quality that you were talking about that I think is actually missing from my list. I think that like I didn't have that many films that were about how great it is or the explosion of creativity or anything. I was thinking surely there are some that I'm just not thinking of. So maybe yeah. after this episode, maybe I'll be reminded of a few of those. Cool. I did look up a list of movies about artists, and it was some. some cinephile that had put it out and it was like 20 films that i've never seen yeah and most of them were made before 1970 i, th- I think i saw that list and too. i was like these seem like some really interesting I I movies <laughs> i might need to watch yeah. uh, there's one in particular called uh, the horse's mouth with yeah. alec guinness in it yeah that just sounds like i would love it yeah, yeah. but it's like it reminds me we need to do we need to make ourselves talk more about old movies on yeah show. We, do. we do we need to do like the best movies before 1960 or something we, like that none
3: of my movies are really old yeah and I feel bad about it.
0: Well, I'm glad when my movies aren't all there was a period of time when I was really into like buying DVDs. Yeah. I lived in Fells Point uh, up the street from Soundgarden Belly P and every day yeah P. Uh, um, P I would walk down to uh, no one calls it that every, every day <laughs> you would would ever <laughs> called it that never <laughs> I would walk down to Soundy G and uh, and flip through the DVDs at a place called the Soundgarden and and I would buy movies all the time oh, yeah. and now I look at my DVD collection and I can see there. I, I know exactly what that four year window was yeah, when I was yeah. buying a lot of movies I feel know? the
1: same way about movies too mm. when you like look at like because uh, I collect a lot of stuff too and it's mm-hmm. like you, you almost look at it it's like alright well that's where I was in yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, that's
0: great. But looking cool. at that, I realized that so often when we do one of these episodes, I go and I scan my collection, mm-hmm. and so I, I'm, I'm always trying to find movies that aren't in that collection, that weren't from <laughs> <Yeah>. between 1999 <laughs> and 2003 or whatever, right, you know. Right. So I don't know. I think I think I have pre so and I, post I, Felly P. There's some really good movies on the list,
2: um, but that's I gotta, that's yeah. gotta find a way yeah. to stay in this conversation. Well, you said P. P. it. I thought that was like pre a thing post. Post. that I'm just not. No, P. Well, he's really cool, so he was also
1: called.
3: Johns Hopkins, Johnny Hops, Johnny mm-hmm. Hops. Yeah, I'm Sounds trying like to get good... these things to catch on. I mean, Stop trying people, to make it happen. When people have... <laughs> <laughs> when people hear it, it fucks with. They're like, "Oh man, Felly P, I'm gonna go." Yeah. <laughs> I think you're onto something, man. Yeah, so, man. Stick with it. You're gonna you're gonna say it that like, you're gonna like. I'm gonna take a trip down at f- Felly P.
1: They're like, <laughs> What's "What it the? What? <laughs> <laughs> that was fun, I mean." <laughs> Why don't you get us started, Mike? Um, so the first <clears throat> movie that I'll bring up. And I actually took notes because I try to be a – I think I also added like 10 movies as you were guys giving – you were giving your explanations <laughs> yeah. of the category meant to you. Uh, the first movie that uh, I'll talk about, and I um, I think this is going to seem like a weird choice, but I have a what I think is a legitimate explanation. Uh, it's one of my favorite movies of all we'll time. We'll be the judge of that. Oh, line. Let's not jump oh. to conclusion. Yeah, right, yeah, um, all right well, <laughs> uh, count down to me feeling like a piece of shit, <laughs> Three. Two, uh. Uh, no, this, this movie is one of my favorite movies of all time. I think I've ripped it off more than any other movie. Uh, it's by my favorite director. Uh, I also think that it it's not about the subject matter it seems to be about. Um, I think it's about film. It's about show business. Um, it's about the change from film to video and going from the 70s to the 80s. Um, I think it ties into like artists and a feeling of being in Hollywood in the 1970s in general. Um, the movie I want to talk about is Boogie Nights. Yes. Mm. Hell yeah. Um, it really is my favorite movie of all time. We blatantly rip off the opening tracking shot in Wit's End. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, yeah. But yeah, so I felt weird bringing up the – because I, I don't know. What, when you first uh, told me the category, John, I'm thinking, mm-hmm. all right, movies about musicians, comedians, and um, – I don't know why porn was the first thing I I thought of, but uh, it's like to me that movie is actually about something like way deeper than that. It's about show business. It's about Mm. um, not achieving what you set out to, Um, and it's about like a like a seedier, darker side of like Hollywood and kind of like dreams. And I do love Paul Thomas Anderson's approach to making that movie because I do think it's not just uh, talking about porn. I think it's talking about his love of film, Mm -hmm. Um, Mm. and because there's a huge part of that movie that's about you know not just porn but uh movies going from film to digital Digital, video and i actually love that aspect of the movie and that's why i wanted to pick that so yeah boogie nights great pick man oh it
0: is and it's also like surprisingly i mean i remember when you first heard about that movie existing it seemed like it was going to be the most salacious thing in the world but it's so character driven and it's so much more about just like the the little ad hoc family that's created (laughs) than it is about the uh the, the again the the, the fucking yeah, know.
1: and it, he really could be anything in that movie. Like mm-hmm. that movie, very easily could be about a boy getting off the bus going to Hollywood and with a giant to be an actor. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it still should have ended the same. Yeah. But yeah. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. any movie, I think every movie. <laughs> right.
0: If you really want to be taken seriously, you should end with the lead character taking his dick yeah. out and just you're looking a, at it in the mirror. You're a great big shiny <laughs> yeah. star. Yeah. Um,
1: but, yeah, like to me, like that movie could be about, you know, mm-hmm. like it could be Midnight Cowboy about yeah. this guy, yeah. you know, wanting to just be in show business or be an actor or a mm-hmm. model or whatever. So, um, yeah, I think that's what resonated with me. is like that movie could just be about like somebody just trying to achieve something. Um, yeah. Like to me, like the porn isn't even third on that list of what mm-hmm. that movie is about. hmm. Who wants to go next?
2: I'll jump in. All right.
1: Uh, my first sweet. pick. I'm going to kind of just
2: piggyback a little bit on the idea of things not going the way you plan them to go. <laughs> You're going to piggyback. Piggyback. <laughs> um, it's a documentary from 2008. Many people have not seen it. It uh, it's got it got nominated for a bunch of awards the year it came out. It's a documentary called Anvil: The Story of Anvil. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember seeing this film at a festival here locally that year, and. Um, like having having been in a band and tried the band thing and and gone through that process and 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 in essence failing, you know, I, I don't see it as a failure, but we didn't achieve what we wanted to. This 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 documentary follows this band from I think they're Canadian, um, who basically was on the verge of blowing up in the early '80s, along with a lot of the. Metal bands like Scorpion and White uh, White Snake and like Bon Jovi or something like that, mm. and it's all centered around this big metal festival that they played in Japan uh, mm. in that year, where like every band involved like basically went off and became huge, and like except for them, oh. and it just basically follows these guys who like over the years since then have still tried to have a band, tried to make it successful, didn't. They work as like catering delivering guys, uh, delivering food to like schools and things like that. And one day, they've always been trying to still have the band. It just, you know, they play like little clubs and nobody's there. They play like weddings and things like that. But it all kicks off when this like a, a fan, um, I forget if she's in like Germany or Russia, I forget where she's at, but basically contacts them and just says that, you know, she's put together this tour. This, this tour is like a reunion. You guys got to do this tour. And, they, and she becomes their manager. And it just follows them like through this reignition of like, this passion that never died through, like, a second chance at at, wow. at getting something that, on the grand scale of the music world, really genuinely means nothing. You know, but to them, to these two guys that it kind of is centered around, the two guys that kind of started the band, it means, like, everything. And, and to see them go up and down, to see shows where there's literally two people there, and they're, like, sitting in a chair watching this metal band play... And, you know, seeing them miss buses, miss trains to get to these shows, it just, like, reminded me so much of, like, how much effort goes in to not only making something, but Mm. then getting it out there. And, uh, and it kind of ends on a really positive, like, really inspiring note that, you know, kind of brings the movie full circle from where it starts with this big concert in Japan. And, uh, I just remember being, like, touched emotionally immensely when I watched this film. And this is in the process of like when my band was still going, you know, when this came out, my band was still kind of doing pretty well.
4: Mm.
2: And it just kind of hit me like it kind of gave me a dose of reality of like this was a band that should have had everything, you know. And throughout the entire film, they never like they never refused to acknowledge like maybe their songs weren't that great. You know, they they think their music was good, but they never don't say or they never say like, but our songs are better than Bon Jovi or like, Mm, you know, they know that like they, they maybe didn't get it, but they don't accept that like they still can't. And that that drive, that motivation, like, just completely inspired me when I saw it. And, Mm -hmm. like, the
1: way the movie ends just, like, got me so hard in the chest, in the feels. (laughs) Um... (laughs) When you said piggyback off mine, I really thought you were going to say Zach and Miri make a porn out. That's my next pick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's my next. You, that's a great doc. I've seen, okay, seen it. It's okay, great. Cool. Yeah. I want to rewatch that now. because yeah, I, I saw I, it when I, it first came
2: out. I would highly recommend checking it out. It, it's little. It's little known. It's 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 gotten. It got great reviews. The, the guy that made it has gone on and I think he's directed and written a couple films.
0: No, I was thinking about the the types of artists when I was yeah. breaking these films down. I was like, well, I've got one of these and one of these and one of these, or should I do all this? Or right. but I didn't even think about. The different levels of right, the artist, right, right, that like, and it's like thinking about my saying that these films are not the one I picked. The ones I picked are gen, like not as upbeat about being an artist as right. as some of them might be. I do think that has a lot to do with what are you depicting. Are you depicting someone who's a nobody who wants to break in? Or are right. you depicting somebody who, who has a success that's trying to hold on to it? There's different levels, and Anvil is an interesting predicament because they've been around for a long time. They know people, like you know what I mean. Like yeah. it's 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 it. It's one of those things where you go why have I never heard of anvil and then you watch the movie and you go well I guess I kind of know why I haven't heard of them but it does kind of then dawn on you god there's a there's a thousand anvils out there you know Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. and you that's, know that's that's and bands at my level bands at your level clearly if you've been doing something for 20 or 30 years it's hard not to compare yourself to other people that, that have ascended in that time you know Absolutely. like I guess what I'm saying is I always think about how, how old can you be and have an overnight success at something and I right. think right now writing a book is my best bet because I think you can be you can be like old as fuck on a book jacket and no one's gonna say <laughs> yeah. you can still be an overnight success at that point you That's know? true. That's but true. I think that
2: rock I,
0: the fact that I called it rock just shows how it passed Hollow me by Jones.
2: right <laughs> the, the unique thing about this like about the, the subject like the, the band Anvil is that you know they were on that like on that cusp like they, mm-hmm. they almost had it you know but they were there long enough that like there's tons of people being interviewed throughout the film who are like some see as like metal gods like Metallica and Megadeth and Iron Maiden bands and they're talking mm-hmm. about this band that influenced them that mm-hmm. no one knows about you know and it's wow. just crazy to think about that's the way this this cycle can work that like they almost made it and they mm-hmm. just didn't yeah. but it's, it's a really great documentary if you haven't seen it so I'd cool. definitely check it that's out it's really great yeah
0: it's also got a great kind of a funny name, Anvil, the story of Anvil.
2: Yeah. And a really and a really great soundtrack, yeah. Yeah. if you want to listen to Anvil. <laughs> well, piggybacking. Well, pick, uh, piggybacking I mean, off of off of your thing, which is a documentary. Can we, this all be one big piggyback? If we, yes.
0: Let's see if see if you can piggyback yeah, off of piggyback. what I lay down here. But um I chose a movie from 1999, a documentary called American Movie. Oh, oh I love great, it. Great. So good. Which is you know, I I dug back into it. It's been years since I've watched it, but Mark Borchardt is such a compelling character. And he's such a passionate character, but it's also pretty clear from the movie that he's kind of ruining his life in a lot of ways, or making his life about this thing. That maybe, kind of to what we were just saying, like, who knows what his work would really be? He's yeah, like an yeah. auteur. He wants to be an auteur. He's like a Heartland guy, not a guy who headed to L.A. or New York to do his thing. Stayed there.
1: Wisconsin, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And he, um, he, uh, you know, he has like a passion project called Northwestern that he wants to make. That really, from his description in the film of what he wants to make, it seems to me like it would be one of the last films I would ever go see, <laughs> even if it were made really well. If someone right. said it's a searing drama about people that are down on their luck, you know, it's like I would be like, all right, I don't know if I need to see that. But then uh, I always want to call it Coven because that's the way the word should be pronounced. Right, right. But the horror film that he's he made, which he says is called Coven. Because Coven sounds... Coven rhymes with oven. It sounds stupid.
1: <laughs> so he calls it Coven. Um, but I
0: mean, it's full of that kind of thing. And you never quite feel like you're laughing at him because... Or it never quite dips over into like mean-spiritedness. Because every time you think this guy's a joke, you're also admiring his stick-to-itiveness. Absolutely. the fact that he's working so hard. And the fact yeah. that he is a dreamer. There is something kind of inspiring about that. And then, of course, you can't mention this movie without mentioning Mike Shank, his, his friend, who is one of those guys who like he's been through it he clearly has done some drugs there's something something different about him right. he's been through aa he seems to have put his life back together but he also seems to be like a smart and thoughtful guy you know yeah, i don't know yeah. they're interesting characters and their friendship kind of fuels the film but as the movie goes along you really do see mark Borchardt being sort of abusive and aggressive with his family and you see all of his problems and there's a scene where that i always think of where he's staying up all night editing his kids are there like camping out in the editing room all night. Like, their their weekend with Daddy is camping out in an editing room while he sits there working <laughs> right, on right. his movie. And it's like, that is everything that's great and horrible about the creative person right there. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. the fact that, like, they may look back on this as an experience. And I think about it with my own son sometimes. Like, is he going to remember Dad was so boring he was always at his desk? Or is he going to remember Dad was always working hard on yeah, something yeah. that he mm-hmm. cared about, you know? So, in that sense, it's hard not to be inspired by Mark Borchardt even as you, you recognize that the movie does show... Maybe this is a dream that isn't worth putting all these people that care about you putting
1: their lives into it as well. But
0: you know what the great thing
1: about that character, about the guy—he's not a character, (laughs) but we all know him. Oh yeah, (laughs) he's at sidebar every Mm -hmm. fucking Monday (laughs) trying to do stand-up. Oh boy, I know Ronald knows him. (laughs) There's probably five of him, but. uh, but no anybody's like ever done something creative like knows that guy or has been that guy yeah, like right, right. uh but yeah it's like it's hard not to admire him in some ways and mm-hmm. um but yeah i also uh yeah i don't know why this sticks out in my head and this is not going to be funny but i remember the like his dad ADRing a lion in the movie and he's like it's all right it's okay <laughs> It's something to live for, yeah. Jesus told me so, and I right. think I like quote that like in my everyday life, God, you saying that you're so right, just the rhythm of that and the yeah. sound
0: the way he delivers it, and everything
1: yeah oh. no, cool. one of my favorite documentaries oh, yeah. just um in terms of like having to do with creative people yeah, that's I'm, a great mm. one I feel like it
0: sort of if it didn't start it, it kind of jump started the current genre of find your find your weirdo documentarian mm-hmm. and you've got a good Sundance film. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. So the question is, does that documentary hurt that person or help them? You know, I don't know.
3: <laughs> I don't know. Good question. Yeah.
0: Uh, oh, it's... It's your turn. Yeah. <laughs> Wake up.
3: I'm awake. I'm awake. Oh, okay. So this this movie was super important to me for a bunch of reasons. Um, I think a lot of the times as a creative person, um, you have ideas of who you are. like Especially... If you're the most passionate about it. So like as a musician, you're a musician and you see yourself as that. And sometimes stepping outside of that and becoming something else is, is really hard. Um, I had a T-shirt line um, that did really well for, you know, for the period of time that I was doing it. And it fell through because of a business venture with a friend that I didn't get along with after mm-hmm. a while. Right. Got into a bad car accident. I was kind of done. I didn't think that I I had a creative bone in my body after that point, right? So I see exit through the gift shop while I'm working at Apple. Oh yeah. And uh, I meet up with a friend, and we decide that we're just gonna put shit up. And I had all these ideas because I made t-shirts. I was gonna I was gonna put shit up. We were gonna go to like uh, trailer parks and go on top of buildings and put stuff up on the sides of highways and stuff like that. And it became a fucking obsession for, like, six months of intense running from the police, making wheat, wheat paste and putting stuff up because of this movie. And um, Banksy, Banksy, for a very long time, was, like, this amazing mystery person. What, who the fuck is he? What does he look like? Mm-hmm. He puts this out. And especially if you you knew about Banksy, this was, like, even more incredible because nobody knew anything about him. And he's actually in it, but his his voice is all blurred. His face is covered, and Shepherd Fairy's in it. And he's following this dude that starts off as kind of like a audio video file that he's just really obsessed with capturing every part part of his life. And he becomes a pop culture icon, <laughs> but the worst form of one, yeah. the shittiest version. <laughs> of pop art that you can ever imagine, and I loved it. I loved every bit of it. I don't know how much of it was
0: real. Yeah, how much of that is just a big prank or yeah, what? Yeah, I don't yeah, know how right. much
3: of it was a prank, but it did something for me, and it 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 inspired the idea that, like, you don't have to be one thing. You can be a million things. You can come back to something, but that movie changed my life, man. Mm-hmm. And, a, and, a, and, and it was weird because it could have... I watched a bunch of stuff that was about creating at that time, but something about this movie hit me super hard. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I can do anything. I can be like this dude. He was he was delusional, and I think it takes a level of delusion.
0: Absolutely. To, was it Mr. Brainwash, was that Mr. Brainwash.
3: Yeah. It takes a level of craziness to like get up and say, oh, I want to I start talking into a mic about movies. I want to create some music. I want to talk on stage. It's
0: fucking insane what it takes for you to get up and do it. It takes, like, even that guy who was like, you're right, he's trying to imitate. Yeah. And then he's, like, not really doing all the work at the end. But it's like, it's still, it's even that. To, to get up off your ass and to do it like you have to have a certain amount of drive and you yeah. have to have a certain amount of I don't I don't care what people think of me because if you know I could never be that guy even as a joke because I'd be too worried about like what are people gonna say I don't right. wanna ruin my reputation but I love the way that you know people who just don't give a shit about that stuff like yeah. you know
3: it's just like I'm gonna I'm gonna put a gun on Mickey Mouse's hand and yeah. that's gonna be alright like that it was hilarious but it, it's something pretty amazing about a person that just gets up and and in and not even in an insulting way, and you you guys have probably all dealt with it. You get off stage, and somebody's like, "I could do that."
4: You're like, "Fuck,
3: fuck, <laughs> fuck you." But the people that actually do it, mm-hmm. that actually say, I yeah, can yeah. do that, and they do it, are very different than the people, because it's insulting when somebody says it to you, like, I can play just like you play. Mm-hmm. But for somebody to say, I want to become a comedian, I want to become a musician, I want to do podcasting, means that you're doing something, and there's something kind of beautiful about that. And that's what that movie did for me. It mm-hmm. was the first movie that I saw, it was like, I can do that, and I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. And then I didn't realize how much of a legal situation it would become. Cause I ran so much, there was like I, so many alleys, <laughs> but it was it was so fun. In the moment, I was felt like my eyes were gonna pop out of my head, my heart was racing, and I forgot how good it felt to just do something. Yeah. No matter how ridiculous it was, it was ridiculous. I couldn't do that forever, but just to do it. That's awesome. Yeah. That's that's my first pick.
4: All right.
1: Well, Mike, it's back well, around to you. Peggy piggybacking off of that, <laughs> um, speaking of documentaries <laughs> that moved me, uh, my movie is uh, not a documentary. <laughs> um, no, this movie I actually love so much, and it is kind of like a hybrid of like documentary and um, narrative feature film. It has one of my favorite performances by one of my favorite actors. Um, about the comic book artist Harvey P. Carr, uh, oh, the film shit. American Splendor is one of my favorite movies. Cool, um, and I think also just the fact that like that movie got made, like that's also like a meta thing in itself. Like they worked on that movie for ten years and drug wow. that movie to the finish line just to do it, and like to me, like that's actually so fitting for like a guy who you know did his art forever and never no one ever saw it or no one appreciated it and i think that actually lends to what you were talking about earlier john is like the cynical view of getting your art out there and that movie means a lot to me um on just a few different levels of worried about you know whatever you create something you worried you're worried about being that guy Uh, but also just i I just think as as a movie like it's an amazing achievement and i love that movie so much yeah, okay. that's Paul Giamatti's,
0: like, I mean, I guess outside of maybe Sideways. Yeah. Those are the two movies where he doesn't play a total creepazoid. Yeah. <laughs> <You> <laughs> it's know? He's great
1: in Cinderella Man, too. Oh, I, I actually seen really that liked actually. him in
0: that movie. Um, no, I love Paul Giamatti, but he just, yeah. it's like, it seems like he gets the call when they're like, we need somebody, we need to, someone yeah. to play a revolting asshole. He's you know? de-
1: pig Vomit is definitely a type. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, But yeah, I think especially, like, it kind of lends to. Uh, you know like anvil or even like uh, uh like what you were saying with american movie john it's like again like with harvey p car i feel like we all know that guy yeah. and i yeah. think that that's kind of like uh that's my favorite stuff to pick out in movies is to go oh you know i know him or i've been him at a certain point or i'm afraid i'm going to be him mm-hmm. and i find that movie painfully you know relatable but just like such a great achievement that the movie got finished and is you know so original <clears throat> and unique and um i think it's also tough because it's uh it's a it's a biopic mm-hmm. and I think it's so hard to do it without doing a typical like cradle to grave story and I think that movie's told in such a unique way and totally. I love that movie.
0: He is such an unlikely person to be to be the focus of a movie but even to be a, a guy who writes comic books, you know? Like yeah. that's a great example of just all you have to do is decide your story is worth telling, you know? Yeah, absolutely.
3: It's actually one of my picks so I can erase. it. Was that. it really? Yeah, yeah seriously. Awesome. One of my picks. I'm going to erase the shit out of it, and I can pick another one now.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I thought we might repeat at certain points, and I did not think that one would be the one. Yeah, I love that movie.
3: It's, it's, It's a really... I've never seen a story like that before Mm. and it's done
1: really well yeah I got I opened up for Judah Friedlander who plays like his friend in the movie and it took me every like ounce of energy just not to be like just save Revenge of the New oh god he's so good in that I mean he's he's always
0: pretty good but like that was like a really great performance and and I remember that guy from all the MTV ads and stuff too
1: such a good like subtle character actor performance Mm. like he really embodied that dude and Mm -hmm. like I didn't even realize and I knew him as a stand up and like didn't realize that was him and like watching the movie until um like after like uh he's so good in that movie I, it makes me think why he didn't get like more of those parts yeah
0: cuz i think most people that saw that film came away talking about how how good he was <laughs> a little sidebar any any interesting open for this person open for that person stories anything that stands yeah. out as like a oh um
1: a either really good or really bad or whatever you would want to the one the, the one that was bad that i'll uh, i've said it on stage so i'll say it here um I opened up for Dustin Diamond from Saved by the Bell. Wow. This can't go anywhere good. Yeah. You
0: don't want want that guy mad at you.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, that was the thing. I think he carries like a switchblade or something. He just got arrested recently, so everybody started posting that on my Facebook. Like, I'm going to like bake him a cake with a file in it or something. Like, have you kept in touch with Screech? Um, But no, that was, uh, I'll just be honest, not good at comedy. Yeah. Uh, But I've... Uh, so many people came up to me after a show saying you are so much funnier than Screech. Wow, <laughs> which is really a sentence I never thought I'd. I think that's a life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for or the not. for the most part, like as people go. Like I've never, I've only opened for like a handful of dicks, mm-hmm. and he was just a weirdo. Um, mm-hmm. I think my favorite, man, I could talk about him for twenty minutes. But I think uh, like my favorite part is there was like a show he completely bombed. Like I worked with him three straight nights. Oh wow and um, you really get to know a guy right? who's
0: coming to see him people that want to see the freak show aspect of it well does this... anybody And I love the comedy stylings of no. Dustin Diamond No, okay. there. I think there's like it's the same people that would go see Corey Feldman's music right, Ex- right. exactly, exactly.
1: Right, right, right. yeah I think there's like a curiosity factor of like what is this I think there's also like oh I know that guy like mm-hmm. I actually that was similar like I just opened up for Tom Arnold this past weekend mm-hmm. and uh, like so many people like came just was like oh that's that guy like mm-hmm. they don't know him as a comedian mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. even though the dude's been doing stand-up for 30 years or whatever it's been but yeah with dustin diamond i think there was definitely a level of like oh it's the, it's the guy from tv like mm-hmm. i watched him when i was a kid not knowing that he was you know trying to be george carlin and super offensive and like quickly like he, had, i've never seen that many people walk out of shows wow yeah but like my favorite was i shouldn't say favorite because like <laughs> it wasn't a good experience for him but uh <laughs> He completely. you do If you're a comedian, you know this, Ronald. If you're doing well, it's called killing. If you're doing poorly, it's called eating a dick. Yeah. And I watched him just. Where does shitting
0: the bed fit in? Is that one of them, or is that? It's the same. It's yeah, parallel. Yeah. Uh,
1: I saw him uh, eat a dick while shitting the bed <laughs> <laughs> on like the Friday Late Show. You can sell that video. (laughs) Yeah, it's a good tutorial. Um, It'll be uh, next year when we do this uh, artist documentary. It'll be your Bump Fest (laughs) selection for next year. Uh, look out, Bumpfest 2017. Uh, so like he like just like bombed and like people are like heckling and it's like nuts. Like somebody played the <laughs> Save by the Bell theme song from the audience. Holy like, shit! I, I, like so part of me just like feels bad. Part That's of this, is, yeah. Part of this is just like curiosity. Like I'm just like watching this like it's like a weird independent movie. But like my fa- so like afterwards like he didn't want some like to wait around for somebody to drive him to the hotel and he's like, hey man, I just want to get the fuck out of here. Can you? Can you you know do that? So I'm taking him to the hotel. And as we're walking to the car, somebody stops him on the street. He's like, Screech, can I get a picture? And he's like, no, thanks, man. And he just gets in my car, a 1999 Honda Accord, which that's what, like, when you're Screech, you go from top of the world yeah. to <laughs> your shitty middle is just driving you around in a 15-year-old car. And as soon as the car door closes, he uh, without missing a beat, he just goes... You know, when I was 13, wherever I went, it was like Beatlemania. Oh, I couldn't man. go anywhere without people stopping oh, me. Wow. And he was like trying to compare mm-hmm. one random dude in Alexandria, Virginia, <laughs> like asking for a picture. And then so I'm like, oh, yeah, I mentioned that's crazy. Just like this. And <laughs> yeah, we, just like, yes, yeah, <laughs> and we keep driving. and He goes like just continuing the conversation, just shooting the shit with Screech. He goes, uh, hey, let me give you some advice, man. Good career advice. Um, if you're ever hungry, the hotel lobby, they got a shitload of fruit just sitting there on the desk. <laughs> He's like, I ate eight pears today.
2: What? Yeah. Oh, my God.
1: And I kept thinking and this I've never said this isn't part of the joke I've said on stage, but like I kept thinking, like, that sounds like an onion article. Yeah. Like saved by the bells, <laughs> Dustin Diamond dies from eating eight pears or something. <laughs> But he was just a weird guy. That'd yeah, be like
0: helpful tips from <laughs> travel
1: tips from Dustin. Dyer yeah, yeah, or exactly. <laughs> you know, yeah, um, the but Yeah, it yeah. was. It was just like a weird experience because I've like worked with like super famous people who mm. like you wouldn't tell that they're famous. Like, like I opened up for like Dennis Miller, like in a big theater where two thousand people were wow. there to see him, and that dude just talked to me like he was any other comedian because like mm. at heart that's what he is. Like mm-hmm. he's been doing that forever and. Even though I don't agree with him politically. Like, the dude is, like... He's a stand-up at heart. But, like, Dustin Diamond, or... I'll start naming names. Kevin James' shithead brother, Gary Valentine, Mm -hmm. who were, like, nobody. Like, they think they're the biggest stars in the world. And, uh... (laughs) yeah like I mean I remember Screech was like charging people to take pictures with him, but like not even like oh, like like he would take the camera and print it out. It was like if you wanted to whip out your phone and take a picture with him, he'd charge you ten bucks, oh. it's just like you were like marginally famous thirty years ago, yeah wow, so Damn. I'm sorry for the detour no 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 That's, no, that's, that's, that's yeah that's, no that's. That was a necessary detour. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that. Any oh, Screech stories up. I want to hear. Uh, if I think of any more. <laughs> I think we're going to just
2: start a new podcast where it's just all Screech stories. Yeah, illicit yeah. 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 stories. Yeah. Saved from, by from the from, Screech. Yeah. yeah. On the road. <laughs> well, this is not so Screech much, around. Not so much a piggyback on the screech in this. <laughs> yeah. But I was going to piggyback on the Paul Giamatti mention at least because mm. he, he's in the next pick I have. This is a movie that came out last year mm. that was on my top 10 of the year. Um, a band that kind of changed my perception Mm. of music and like what creativity it looks like in terms of music. But the reason I picked the film is mainly because it's focused so much to me. And then, and it kind of gave me such insight into the mind of a genius and, um, how fractured it can be when, when, when taking into into consideration, like everything going on in his or her mind, his or her world, his or her family, everything that can possibly tangibly or intangibly influence somebody that, in essence, is making something that will stand the test of time. And, and, you know, whether he, in this case, we're talking about Brian Wilson, and the film is Love and Mercy, Bill Pullen's film that came out last year. Um, did it bug you that
0: I threw that out as an example? It did. It did. Earlier. I was
2: like, does he know I'm fucking I doing actually that knocked that off yeah. my list because you gave it as an example. Yeah. I love that movie. Yeah. 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 Um, But no, it's not something like where I went into this movie not knowing a lot about Brian Wilson, Mm because I absolutely love Brian Wilson and the Beach Boys. It's like, besides the Beatles, like probably the band that my dad and I like bonded over most growing up. So it has a special place in my mind in terms of like the quality of music that was put out, how you connect to music, you know, through multiple stages of your life, like to be able to say, you know, to see my dad when I'm younger, like listening to a band like the Beatles or the Beach Boys. Um... And be able to tell me how, you know, music connects to you when you're a teenager and then you're a 20-something and then you're a father or whatever stage you are in life. How it transcends all that when it's coming from a place of experience, a place of where you really have a voice. And, I I mean, Brian Wilson would have to be in every conversation that anybody would have about musical geniuses. And just being – the way the movie shows you that, you know, it shows you the character, the the person of Brian Wilson – And what he was going through and how it affected what he was trying to do and ultimately what he was able to do as a musician and as somebody who just created stuff that would last forever. Um, I don't know many many movies that kind of touched me as much as that did in terms of giving me that perspective. And I love the way that it showed, um, you know, basically... Uh, not going from, you know, like the cradle to the grave, like not that widespread of a biopic, but really just like a snapshot mm-hmm. of, of, of an important piece of his life and, and really kind of catching up with where he was, like having Paul Dano and John Cusack play two different uh, time stamps of, of, of Brian Wilson's live, life and then kind of seeing like what comes of that man who, that person, like what's the, what's the, What's the long game of like what what happens after you kind of are able to channel that that mm-hmm. amount of creativity into something that people love and embrace and you know worship as a piece of genius. It kind of gives me insight into what happens to like that that the the person or the band or the thing that created this thing that I love. Mm-hmm. It still exists, and something happens to that person after they put out this piece. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. so like the insight into that part of it, like the parts with John Cusack mm-hmm. specifically. You know, you see tons of like biopics where you see how they rise and they fall and all this stuff. It's like it's the roller coaster of the business yeah. or whatever. But I like how I didn't have to go through that. It just kind of showed me that like. I don't know, just like what happens to this person, you know, and you, you care so much about wanting to know that. And everybody knows what happened to Brian Wilson, Mm -hmm. but the way it's captured in that movie just really kind of allowed me to connect some dots, you know, about this man that had a lot of trouble and a lot of problems and like taken advantage of in so many ways and like taken for granted in so many ways, but yet like everybody worships something that he had a, a huge, if not so hand in putting out, you know, like, it's just, there's a lot of perspective that I really don't know that I'd seen on a movie before. Um, especially for somebody that I, appreciate
1: so much they already personally. knew a certain amount about yeah exactly
2: i do think that's great what you said about how they chose the right
0: period to depict too because the cradle to grave thing is so boring
1: also if you want to watch the cradle to grave version of that there there's like three beach boy movies that yeah. they did make that you could see that and i like that with this movie the way it's structured it does capture those like little moments and mm-hmm. these like moments that were definitely you know big for him, even if they weren't like those standout moments that would be in a typical autobiography. I also just love that almost like the, the John Cusack, Elizabeth Banks part of that movie, it almost becomes her story Mm -hmm. and her perception of what's going on with this guy and what she sees. Like she's kind of us and watching that and dealing with it. And, um, also, like, for me, like, I don't know if I mentioned this, my day job is I work with people with mental disabilities. Mm-hmm. So, like, I think this was, like, one of the most accurate accurate portrayals of, like, somebody with, schizo- you know, schizophrenia or schizoaffective disorder. Mm. Um, I thought it was, like, really, like, alarmingly, like, felt real to me. And um, I love the way they showed that and also uh, just showed, like, this genius like we've never seen him before. And mm-hmm. there definitely is a level of... Uh, when you first hear those Beach Boys songs to open that movie, you get really excited. And you feel good, and then you hear like you were saying, Steve, like the dark shit that like yeah. came behind all of this like yeah. you know, beautiful stuff. But mm-hmm. I love that, and he really is like the most sympathetic character um, in rock and roll history.
0: Yeah. One of my favorite moments from that movie is the moment during a session, or they're out. He's out, gone outside to kind of blow off some steam, and the musician yeah. comes out and is like, "You're doing some crazy stuff here." Like the guy who's like a trained yeah, musician, yeah, yeah, yeah. who you would imagine would be the first person to say what the hell is who's this who's that this you're having kid. us do? Yeah. But yeah. instead they're like, no, we've all been talking. You're, you're up to some really cool shit here. You know, it's like, okay, that must've been, I hope, I hope there was enough of that type of validation in Brian Wilson's history. Yeah. That, you know,
1: I love the way all that studio stuff was shot. Yeah. When, you know, yeah. you know, they did Spoilers. it like, like documentary, you know, handheld style. And yeah, it's beautiful. I love that. Well, my next film,
0: um, I was going to try to make some kind of segue, but I don't think I can do it. The best I can do is that Brian Wilson spent a certain amount of time uh, in a sandbox with a piano that had the legs sawed off. Right? Right. right. Paul Sheldon spends pretty much the whole movie strapped to a bed with a a broken foot. uh, Or really, more than broken. A totally messed up foot. Hobbled. (laughs) Paul Sheldon. I'm talking, of course, about Misery. Wow. Mm. The uh, Rob Reiner film from 1990, which... uh, I was looking it up today and I've you know it's one of those movies that's so solid and then you look at it and you see it's William, written by William Goldman and you just go, oh, okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. The guy that's who why. literally wrote the book on screenwriting. Um, but it's just such a great pick for me because it's the only one that really dealt with fandom the way that I <laughs> wanted to see it be dealt good. with. Um, and it's such a, it's a tortured depiction of that. But yeah. I do like that idea of what we expect from an artist that we like and what we demand of them. And the way that the artist probably, like, you feel that you know the artist through their work, but you may know nothing of them. And they may actually look look down on you because you like that particular work or whatever. <laughs> so, I mean, of course, what you remember most about the movie is Annie Wilkes, uh, played by Kathy, Kathy Bates. Bates yeah. I saw her name come up the other day. It was a list of... Um, what I think AV Club ran a thing about, like, what roles have been played definitively, yeah. you know, oh, and sure, the picture sure. was of her. And I was like, that's a pretty good example of, like, even now with Kathy Bates, it does not matter what she does because she has immortality because of how well she plays that cock part in Misery. But, I mean, the, just the, the perfect trap aspect of it, it's like a great, it's like Stephen King every now and then he pulls one of those, uh, just a really simple idea out and makes it work really well um and so yeah this film i remember when i was like 13 or something i read the book and the movie's actually very much like the book it does make some key changes but that idea that this is not just the story of an artist who's going through this situation but it's a writer who probably has had fan experiences that he thought could have turned into sure. an experience right, like this right. i'm sure stephen king has had someone come up to him in an alley or a hallway when there's no one else around and say something that makes him think I should have a bodyguard you know? right, right. <laughs> just we because of that. the kind of writer that he is. But no, it's a, it's a, it's, and it's also back when Rob Reiner made good movies, you know, I mean, wow. it's just a great example of a lot of things. Uh, and it's just, it's one of those perfect thrillers.
1: Yeah. I glad you brought up like Rob Reiner really did have a run there where he was such a good filmmaker for a mm-hmm. few years. And that was definitely like in the middle of that cannon where he was just knocking it out. Of, not only knocking it out of the park, but doing so many different kinds of movies. Yeah. And, yeah that was him like doing something completely out of the box for him. And, I love that movie. That's a really good one.
0: It's also, I guess, it was right after he did *Stand by Me*. Stand was it? Yeah, so that was that like was two Stephen King Stand adaptations in yeah, a row. Wow. So oh, *Stand by Me*. It's called *Pulling a Darabont*. Yeah. He didn't do two in a row. Did he do two in a row? I think he did. Did *Green Mile* come after *Shawshank Redemption*? That was after that, right?
1: That was his follow-up. Though. So he yeah, was actually yeah, yeah. pulling a
4: Reiner. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
3: <laughs> oh, it's smart pick. <laughs> I always feel weird about this zones it. Zones out. No, no, I'm listening, man. I, I'm, I'm, I'm a very big fan of the
0: dynamic. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> of what, exactly? The
0: dynamic. <laughs> Between James Conn and Kathy no. Bates. No, uh, dynamic. <laughs> the dynamic, no, no, It's I'm its serious. own thing that exists yeah, right here. Yeah. <laughs> the it's dynamic. A thing. It's a thing.
3: Um, so, as a comedian, sometimes you get into a place where you just aren't talking about personal shit. And uh, in 2014, I saw Obvious Child, mm. and I saw a woman give her soul to the crowd, and and it and it made me want to do that sometimes. I don't always do it, but I mean, I like that movie a lot
0: because I think there was. Can I say that in my mind, I predicted that you would pick this movie? Okay, it I'm was glad. actually I'm readjusting my list. Now. Yeah, I have it on my list. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah. That's a really movie. yeah, yeah. Okay, so Jenny Slate, Jenny Slate. I guess that's three votes for me finally seeing this fucking thing cuz I need to yeah. see it. Yeah, so there's there's a and Jenny Slate fan. is is, yeah. is amazing, so. You
3: you remember like a couple years ago where there was this thing where you would talk about a a woman mm-hmm. and you would have to like preface it with like she's a funny woman or she's a, it was weird. Like you funny just wasn't a, She's
0: funny for a little old girl. Yeah. yeah. It was
3: like a, always the thing when you had to mention the sex of the person and, and that they, they were like some rare flower growing in some mountaintop in and a, you know, it, it was fucking weird. And when I saw this movie, I, I just thought this is a funny human being. She's funny. She's doing this energy that she's putting out. Um, Alongside it was Jake Lacey, yeah, just kind of bouncing that off of off of her and being strong about a situation that women aren't normally depicted to be strong about. Abortion is a really weird thing to discuss to have in a movie.
0: Movies are very afraid of dealing with it in a right. frank way, and so they yeah. usually do it like with melodrama.
3: Yeah, and having her address it the way that she does, she's very certain about her decision she's very certain about how she wants to go about her life after this mm-hmm. and everybody's mourning around her more than she is which is really interesting and it's not to say that these aren't important issues it's just to say that like strong women do strong shit mm-hmm. strong people do strong shit and I love that and I love funny women I love funny people but I love funny women mm-hmm. and there are a lot of them and and I th- I think this this is a testament to like I love kind of Francis Ha came around uh, around the same time. Well, I saw two movies that I just felt like were funny, mm-hmm. and were funnier than a lot of shit I was seeing that were these these like top tier funny men. Mm-hmm. I, I I just wasn't seeing quite as much authenticity, and I think there's something about good writing that just lends itself to that sort of thing, but. A lot of it is Jenny Slate, And she, she carried that movie in a way that.
1: It's a tour de force performance. Yeah. She's nuts, so good man. in that movie. Yeah. That movie works because, you know, she's so charismatic and so likable and funny in that movie and uh, doesn't always do the right thing, but you're still rooting for that character. And yeah. she's so right. earnest. And yeah, I love her in that movie. That was also an influence on Wits End, too. It's like, I feel like the stand up is a big part of the movie, but it's almost secondary, too. Like, right. you could have. Um, like, it's a big tie into that flick but you could also have her do anything else and yeah. it's about the people and oh. yeah i love that movie final round final pick oh is it my turn I think yeah. it okay is. i'm yeah. sorry <laughs> um, uh okay so final movie um, i love this movie so much and i think that uh one of the big things about movies with artists if it's a documentary um or if it's a narrative feature film um it's how they show the performance. And I think that sometimes movies overshoot performances. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes movies show shitty performances and try to convince you that they're good. That's mm. The worst. Yeah. <laughs> what, what I love about this movie is it's incredibly engaging. The performances are great. And they shoot them in such a simplistic, uh, intimate way um, that it just makes you appreciate the artist for the artist. Um, and that's why uh, I picked uh, Once, directed by John Carney, starring Glenn Hansert. Mm. I love that movie so much. Love the soundtrack. Great soundtrack. Um, Yeah, and uh, as far as, like, the way it, like, influenced Wit's End, like, I definitely modeled how we shot the performance scenes, like, the stand-up scenes after the way they shot um, the music performances once and once. um, Like, it's all handheld, and it's about the intimacy of the moment instead of trying to capture, like, a grand performance. And Mm. it's one of the things I appreciate from that movie is – you know, I think sometimes with movie performances, they overshoot everything and they make it look like a big, like for, and I think when comedy has been done wrong, they've made <coughs> uh, comedians look like they're performing on an HBO special when it's supposed mm. to be like this intimate little moment or mm-hmm. they show people on the wrong level or they show people that aren't good at what they do and <laughs> you're supposed to think it. Um, with once, it's like, all right, let's just point two cameras in the direction and let the, t- you know. Two really talented people take over and do it, and I just love that movie
0: so much. You're so right about the when it's supposed to be cool, when it's supposed to be a cool band and it sucks, or when it's supposed to be the funniest guy in the world and (laughs) he stinks.
1: That's another reason why I'm worried about, like, they're making a movie about Richard Pryor. And it's like, I almost hope that everything they do in that movie is just, like, showing him right before or after the performance. Yeah, because Mike Epps? Mike Epps is playing him. And he might be great as Pryor. Like, I think he actually captures, like, the essence of it, like, as a person. Like, Mm -hmm. I think there's a reason why they cast him and, like, not, like, a more experienced actor. But, like he's the best stand-up comedian of all time, Pryor mm-hmm. was. So it's like, no matter who you get or how experienced of a comic it is, it's going to be a drop-off. Yeah. Yeah. How much of that can
0: you put in the movie, right? Like, how much yeah. stand-up can you have in, you know? It'd just
1: be weird. It's just, yeah. and
0: Because even Mike Epps probably doesn't want to be up there doing, like, a, a cover of right, you know, right. Richard Pryor's famous routines, but you don't want to hear him do the famous routines and not do them right. right I don't know. Right. Like, yeah. that's that's an interesting predicament. Like I know he's yeah. been doing, like... A, a fraction
3: of his set he's been devoting to kind of doing i've read that sure. too yeah, like yeah his I've, own. S- I've seen a couple of videos of it
1: yeah and i actually think like the like he could be good as that part but yeah it's like no matter like what you think of like mike epps as a comedian it's like he's not going to be richard Pryor right. mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not gonna um either. and the same thing with like uh you know the shitty band in movies or whatever it's like you can you know if it's you can't give it to me it's going to be good if somebody's <laughs> never played music before and It's just actors playing a part yeah. which is a fake song that sucks and yeah. <laughs> um, that's why I appreciate it once so much is, you know real it's performances so, yeah, yeah, real performances by the dude who wrote the songs and he's mm-hmm. so earnest, and you know when he's screaming in the bridges of those songs, you can see you know the you know the veins at his neck popping out because it's mm-hmm. like those notes and those words mean so much to him, and that mm-hmm. definitely plays in in the movie so much, and yeah, I think as far as like capturing performances, that's probably my one of my favorite movies. Period, you know, uh, let alone about an artist. Have you seen
2: the trailer for uh, his new film, uh, Carney's new film, Sing Street? I
1: have. I thought that that I yeah, I think it's gonna be hard to top once, but yeah, I definitely like that he's capturing an air and also doing something different with <laughs> yeah, the music movie. it no, so. looks really good. It does look, and I like the caddies in it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
2: Steve, my last pick. Uh, we've talked about a few times on this show. I don't know. I've noticed that the ones I ended up picking, I did have Obvious Child on my list, but I kind of moved it around. Mm -hmm. Though I did notice that my prime, my three prime choices were all having to do with music. I don't know if that's just because that's one that I've had the most hand in personally experience. Like I had a band for like six years, seven years, and I guess I just maybe feel the most connected to, but um, I'd be upset if I didn't mention Almost Famous uh only because it's a movie that i feel like shows so many different sides of the music industry mm-hmm. you know you 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 get exposed to like touring you know the recording the ego the fans the people writing about the music you know the kid influenced by the music i i just like the the ecosystem that the music creates mm-hmm. like that somebody could output something that creates all of these jobs and all of these different personalities and at some point they all come together and, and make it work somehow, or maybe not, like in the case of this film. But, um, you know, I just feel like this, this was it Stillwater? Mm-hmm. Uh, the band from Almost Famous just kind of seeing the personalities clashing, um, but at the end there's still some love for one another. You know, I can definitely relate to that, you know, in having a band, even on the smaller scale, um, where you, you disagree all the time, but like you still are of the same mind that we are working towards something that we all believe in mm. and um i don't know i just feel like that movie did such a great job of like exposing and kind of showing a little bit of a, a view of like more than just what you normally see which is like the creating of something you know and like other films that a few of us have mentioned just the creation process but i love that you get to touch some of these outlier things these like tertiary things that like exist only because of it you know what i mean, like these tour managers, these big festival people that are putting together festivals, the bitching and moaning that people are doing, like the riders that these guys have, the groupies, you know, it's just like, I just love seeing how it all worked. And especially worked at that time in music history. Mm -hmm. You know, back like what could have been like probably one of the prime times of like how awesome rock music was. Sure. And
0: and such a personal film for Cameron Crowe too. Who I think now... My opinion of Cameron Crowe is sort of, yeah, eh. But it's at changed. that time when that movie came out, it was like, oh, this is so cool. He's telling kind of his story. Yeah. This is something he knows. It's an era that he was around for. No, I think that that was a, 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 a like, what's the word I'm trying to look for? Like the ecosystem uh, the, of the music biz. Yeah, you feel yeah, like you yeah. do see a lot of different levels of it, you know? Uh,
1: I'll be honest, from age 15 to age 27, if you would have asked me what my favorite movie was, I would have said almost famous. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's come off the list because I've hated Cameron Crow's last <laughs> favorite movie. <laughs> you know. yeah. 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 It's uh and that was what you asked uh, the other day on the Facebook thread. Any questions for us? I said, mm-hmm. Cameron Crow, are we sure he's good? <laughs> <laughs> because Aloha just makes me wonder, like, who like Who's this man? Yeah, like, who, who, who made, made those yeah. other movies? Like, yeah. I can't believe the yeah. same guy made all that stuff. But I love that movie and how we you talking about, like, performances and, uh, you know, kind of, like, posing, like, a crappy song is like, a good performance. Actually, that's one of the movies that gets it right. Like, oh, yeah. And that's because he had Nancy Wilson and Peter Frampton working so hard, like, mm-hmm. hands-on. And they had such a love for that era and love for that music. But I really think they captured something in those um those uh, music sequences and i really love them and how you're talking about john like how personal it was like to me that's what i love about movies is when you get that specific and that personal it becomes more relatable and i think the little details you know he puts in that movie like mm-hmm. about like the tour manager and all these experiences he's seen with like the writing on hotel stationery like that's yeah. so specific for him so and great. then to me like reeds is like so relatable in a lot of ways mm-hmm. like i felt like i was william miller when i was like that age even though i went through none of that stuff and i think he really did capture a time and a moment and um yeah i love i I love that movie
2: yeah Yeah, like i remember watching it and just made me like longing for wishing that i could have experienced music at that time Mm. yeah like at that age or you know i feel like it's always on
0: my mind because of um on the wtf podcast he uses the little sample lock the gates
1: yeah 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 yeah, yeah. lock the gates all these fuck yeah (laughs) (laughs) oh so
2: good but yeah i yeah almost famous it's still one of my favorite films for for so many reasons, but it it plays into this topic episode very well for me just because that that idea of everything, like even the trickling down to the family and like how music yeah. is affecting this family and and their dynamic, that dynamic. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know. There's also Zoe Deschanel before anyone was sick of her. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And There's an like, amazing
1: before she looked out body. the
0: window and then asked her phone if it was raining. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, but yeah, I remember watching that movie at 15 and thinking there was nobody cooler in this world than Jason Lee. Right. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was like I think I like that's like I went back and watched like Mallrats just because of that movie. And now watch Jason and Lee? Lee? Right. Yeah. in so, you,
0: uh, our last episode, we got into maybe
1: I, I, I'll t- let you guys know
0: when I when I when I play it back if it is amazing. if it is in fact <laughs> the best thing, <laughs> the biggest breakdown, <laughs> communication breakdown in movie history. <laughs> For a second there, we were talking. I said. Brandon Lee. When I yeah. meant Jason Lee. No, I,
2: we talked about the Jungle Book. Right. Yeah. In the '90s, I said Jason Lee, uh. and he said, "Was it Brandon Lee?" Yeah. Like, <laughs> like wondering, like which Lee. Yeah. And it just. Yeah. But then and, it became and, the question of which Jason Lee. Yeah.
0: Like, and Jason. We, <laughs> we learned a little about Jason Scott I thought, Lee. I thought
3: Brandon Jason. Lee died. Yeah. Well, Brandon yeah. Lee did. die Brandon Lee nope. died. No. Thought Jason Lee died yeah, right. right. Because he, he disappeared in
2: a way. Most that importantly, was... he thought Kevin Smith's Jason Lee was in the ninety two version of Jungle Boy. <laughs> <laughs> we should
1: have just left it there and moved yeah. on. Oh man. I was really sad when Brandon Lee died in Mallrats Rats. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But they handled it well. Yeah, they really did. They yeah. were very, yeah, very, well. very respectful. Yeah, the yeah, they way really, they really shot it, like well. yeah, so it's time <laughs> not good times. Yeah.
2: <laughs> but yeah, Jason Lee was was awesome. He was the man and almost yeah. famous.
1: Yeah, I
0: really, there was a period where I really loved him too. And I guess I just haven't seen him do that much recently. What's he been in lately?
1: He kind of retired from acting. Oh, like okay. apparently the only uh, thing he's, he's making come... like
0: skate videos and stuff, is that what yeah, he's doing? like
1: directing like skate videos and apparently he's coming back for Kevin Smith's Mall Rats too, mm-hmm. which I'm sure will reignite his love for acting and the arts. Uh, <laughs> guaranteed, <but>, uh, guaranteed. <laughs> uh, but uh but yeah. He had but, a TV show for like ever, didn't he? he yeah, uh, he had a few TV, a few different like. No one breathes pure
0: cinema like Kevin Smith. <laughs> right. You know, oh right,
1: I would right, right. you know what I would love to talk to you about Tusk for hours because oh, right. I know you <laughs> feelings on it but uh but uh man that's a guy who wasted it um (laughs) an opportunity but uh but no i thought jason lee like chasing amy which is a a good kevin Smith. yeah he's so good in i agree um i think it's my
2: favorite it it is i mean as a movie i think it's the one that to me
0: i haven't seen it in years but i feel like even though that main actress is kind of annoying i think that like the arc of what it's trying to do and the characters it's like it just feels different from, from his other films. It feels somehow more yeah. cohesive than some of his other attempts to
1: make kind of a mainstream movie. Chasing Amy is like his most complete grown-up movie, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, it one of the reasons it's as good as it is because Jason Lee is great in it. And that was like Affleck's first leading man role. Yeah. And, um. But yeah, he he was good. He had a good run there in like the mid-90s. And then I think it was like he uh got to... You know, it was weird. I think he started getting beaten out by... Uh, ryan reynolds for parts it was like the better looking version of jason lee (laughs) and i think that's what killed yeah the kind of smart
0: ass i can kind of see that i know for a while he he was talked about for fletch yeah both of them were actually oh they were yeah Yeah, because it
1: was actually it was uh kevin smith was writing fletch Mm -hmm. and was gonna have jason lee play the part but the studio wanted ryan reynolds (laughs) and then the movie just ended up never happening yeah you know
0: who's supposed to do fletch now is sudeikis
1: Really? I think that could be good. I could totally see Man, I love know. Jason You don't like Jason Sudeikis? Because I, mean, I like Jason, Jason Sudeikis.
0: Sudeikis. Yeah, I like I'm him. I'm tired of him. I guess bit. I haven't seen enough of him to be tired of him. He's in everything.
1: We just watched Sleeping with Other People, my I wife I. have seen him in that I. much. That and was not bad. That was a really good movie. Not not a a I liked movie. Movie. that movie a lot. Yeah, I thought I really that, I was, that was just, so I was so much. yeah. that one was Yeah. I think he's great. I think he's super like No, what's funny is like,
0: let's not get her confused with Brie Larson. And start a whole other. A whole
2: keep away from that
0: <laughs> yeah well I will bring it back down yeah. with my final pick which is actually a movie that I mentioned to Mike when I saw his film and I think I mentioned it on this show as well as a movie that I thought what's in kind of reminded me of and that would be Inside Lewin Davis great movie mm-hmm. the, uh, the and I watched it again to, to confirm because a lot of times with the Coen Brothers movie since I'm a fan of theirs mm-hmm. if I get a lot out of a first viewing I sometimes wonder like did this movie really do what I thought it did mm-hmm. and I watched it again recently and I'm in it, that movie guts me. I think it helps that I love Oscar Isaac. I mean, the fact that that's him playing and
1: singing, and he's actually a pretty, pretty darn good performer. Absolutely. There are few people that could play that part, as far as like the acting matching the musical. Mm. Right, and yeah. it takes
0: away that that yeah. the lameness factor of what we were saying of when the person you know cuts to even the best movies when they cut to a, a shot and it's just the hands on the piano, and then they cut back yeah, to the yeah. person from here up or whatever. <laughs> it's like they didn't have to do that, but it also it's like he's. By by my standards, a pretty gifted player and singer, and so the central thrust of the movie being the fact that Lou Davis mm. is is not, he's 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 great, but he's not a genius. He's yeah, yeah. he's really really good, but he's not excellent in an undisputable way, or he's not unique, or whatever it is. Right. The notion of taking an artist who could succeed and should succeed, or maybe could succeed, and showing like when he is experiencing his lowest point, like he. Like, Bob Dylan's about to take the stage at that club that he plays. Right. And we know historically this is about to be the moment. It's like, we know that the next day everyone's going to be talking about Bob Dylan and nobody is going to remember Lewin Davis, you know? And that's just so, like painful to think about and oh. then you get to know the guy and he's a jerk or whatever and he's got but you see what the reasons for his pain are and you see yeah. like why he's carrying this and you see that even though he is a jerk to everyone he knows it's almost a joke that everyone who knows him except for that, that couple that's kind of like his his patrons or whatever yeah. Right. but everyone who knows him just kind of goes ugh, here comes right, you know Lewin right. Davis <laughs> it's like we see why that is so it becomes kind of funny I mean it is a Coen Brothers movie so there's a dark comedy to it when he's sitting down and he's filling out a form. He's just done some studio work, and he's going to get paid for it. And we see him making the decision to get paid for the job and not to take points on the... Or not to take, like, whatever they call it, residuals Until on the back, back. end. Or, yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and he's filling out the form, and we see his hand, as he's going down and filling it out, he gets to the line for the address, and he pauses. And Oscar Isaac just does the tiniest little, like, filling out the form, and he goes... And just keeps going but you could like the guy's got no home i mean like we see Mm. him crashing on couches it's so little Mm. details like that that just really show and like that scene when they sing uh please mr kennedy in the studio Mm. how great that moment is and now people point out that's poe dameron and kylo ren (laughs) singing a song about not wanting to go to space um but um there's a moment before they sing the song and it just shows you how every step of the way whether he means to or not he burns bridges with people he holds people at arm's length and he's talking to his friend, Jim, that Justin Timberlake plays. And he says, right before they get started, he was like, geez, I'm glad for the gig, but who wrote this thing? And he goes, I did. And in that moment, <laughs> yeah. you see that, like, well, there goes another person that kind of liked Jalouin um, right, and now right. thinks, what a dick, you know. But it's full of those little moments. But when you get around to what is real reason for having this... You know, the the pain that he carries around, it's very affecting. And I think a lesser film would have showed how that inspired him to overcome this career, uh, uh, you know, paralysis he was going through, or he would have like the big performance on the showcase and you would see the person coming to give him a contract but instead this movie doesn't really let the character off the hook I guess that's a Cohen's thing yeah. is to not really let a character off but the also,
1: hook but also you know it's kind of based on a real guy right it's Dave Van Ronk, which yeah. is like it's kind of what happened to him where it's like you thought that big moment was coming and mm-hmm. it just never did mm. the
0: main difference is though Dave Van Ronk was supposedly kind of a prickly guy but very well liked and there yeah, were people like he- that came out afterwards that said the movie painted a really negative picture of the New York folk scene um and that Dave Van Ronk himself is not this type of guy. But they said they were interested in the music and the kind of career trajectory of Dave Van Ronk, but not the man, that they right. invented and Davis. Mm. But what I think is funny about that is I don't think the movie pretends that it's showing you the whole New York folk scene. So to me, to criticize it as being a negative portrayal, it feels like it's showing you a very... A very small sliver right. that is depicted through this guy who is competitive and bitter and sad, and actually one of the best depictions of just plain old depression, I think I've seen in Absolutely. a movie. So yeah, inside Lewin
1: Davis, you mentioned Wit's End, and we had talked about that, John. Mm-hmm. Like uh, like for me, that movie is such a big influence on our flick, just because I I like the structure of it. it starts with a performance, and we don't really know what's going on with this guy, mm-hmm. but we get that he's engaging. We get that there's something interesting about him that we hopefully want to follow. Mm-hmm. And then we're just going to kind of jump ahead and see where this takes us. And, yeah, that's, I think that's a Cohen's thing to where it's like it isn't really a typical three-act structure mm-hmm. to where it's just like we're just going to follow this guy because we think he's interesting and we think you will, too. And that's definitely something we really thought of with, with our movie. And yeah. I think part of that— It kind to of throws re- you into the world, too. Yeah, I mean. and I think one of the big reasons that works is because Oscar Isaac is so, you know— just so engaging and so good and mm-hmm. um, he's a regular yeah. Jason Weems he's yeah. like he's like the Jason yeah, Weems yeah. of music absolutely <laughs> I'll, I'll, you know I, I think Jason will take that yeah. <laughs>
0: cool
3: um,
1: close it out Ron
3: alright so my last pick is a movie about a two documentarians that choose to follow a mysterious man and it it starts to get very chaotic Uh, it's Man Bites Dog oh yes oh wow man that fucking movie what year is that from?
1: 1992
2: so that this was like I've never seen this
3: it's like like you guys have told me about it before one of the first I guess it's like found footage it's it's kind of this POV view they start filming they meet this guy and it starts off with like him he's he's a serial killer and the way that they capture it is such a... It's its nothing... You would think that when they captured something like this, it'd be very, like, uh, kind of exaggerated. It's just brutal and silent. Like, there's a lot of scenes where he, he just stabs someone. It gets quiet. Mm-hmm. They're reacting. And a lot of it is just, like, the shock of it. And it keeps getting worse and worse and worse until the man bites dog the dog like it's like the the it's it's like the the viciousness starts to leak into every they start helping him basically wow they start like pushing the body or doing mm. it's it, it's a really
0: yeah it's very much about how they get pulled in i can't i forget to the extent that they were characters but it's presented as like a cinema verite type thing where yeah. no varnish just follows someone around, just and follow just cut, around. I mean, it's made to look it's not of the current crop of footage w- that we think of that as yeah. like this is made to feel like oh these documentarians thought they found someone to follow around yeah you know? and they're just following like... them around and it's like a slice of life thing and then yeah, yeah it gets it to gets where to they're it. much more involved
4: yeah and
0: so it's work. kind of like an indictment of the I don't know what do you think that's about? Do you think that's about like our gaze as an audience or do you think it's about the, I think the, the... filmmakers kind of uh, like tendency to find somebody and kind of exploit them what do you think yeah i think it's that i think it's kind of the idea of what
3: how infectious like violence and and all that stuff is like Mm -hmm. you know when you watch it on the news it's like very infectious but you don't realize like they're, they're victims they're they're people that get hurt and the more that you try to Involve yourself with your opinions and things like that. I, I think that it gets a little more vicious. Yeah, mm-hmm.
4: definitely.
3: It it does, and it, and it's and it's a little crazy to see, especially the way that things are now, where people are just capturing vicious things all the time. How our brains process it, and it's it's almost how these guys process it. At first, it was very shocking and shot very far away. Yeah. Then, as the murders get more yeah, vicious, yeah. it gets closer and closer and closer to a point where it's like, almost like. Too close, and it's too unbearable and too visceral. It's
1: and it's almost it, like the sparseness of the movie makes it that much more visceral. Yeah, and more there's no music. And, there's yeah. no the
3: muse The only music that you really hear is when they're walking around, and there's music in the area. That's mm-hmm. it. There's nothing really <laughs> that carries it, but dialogue and the screams of the people and <laughs> the footsteps of them running away yeah, from yeah, the crimes. Yeah. It's it's a, such a cool movie. And one thing that I thought was really cool about it, if you look at the cover of the DVD, um, it's actually almost exactly the same as the Sin City oh. cover. If you look at the the movie cover for Sin City, it's like this guy pointing down this with a gun. Uh. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, looks like the Sin City cover. Very cool. And I always thought that was really interesting that it was that particular shot because if you see where that comes from in the movie, it's fucking jarring. It's a weird movie.
0: That was like an early awareness of indie film for me. Like mm-hmm. I remember when that movie when like I I had to kind of seek it out. I'd read about it in Fangoria or something. Mm-hmm. It was reviewed or something. And I I just remember it, like it was one of those movies that when it showed up at the video store my friends and I were like it's that movie we <laughs> yeah. heard about. That it just right, sounds right. so crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're uh, younger than a certain age, you you don't remember that you used to hear about things, and it just there was there wasn't much information. Yeah. I mean, but you know, before the internet, before all this, uh, all the uh, online outlets for movies, you just kind of had to hope you would you would come across something. So when a movie showed up in your local video store, it was like, holy shit, this Got is that movie it. I've yeah. heard so much about. Um, and yeah, very very creepy and funny, oddly. Yeah. It has a lot of funny parts. Cuz the killer's like super charismatic.
3: Like mm-hmm. he's, he's he's a weird person but like he's funny as fuck. Like he, he Isn't a there poor... a
0: part where he's trying to scare like he figures out the old lady has a heart condition yeah. and he decides he's going to yeah. s- yeah. scare her to death rather than kill her in another <laughs> so way? Crazy. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's the kind of comedy that you're in store for with <laughs> yeah. yeah if you I, I yeah, think I, you'd enjoy I it I want to check it out and it's it. man yeah it's,
1: it's... I feel like that was a really big influence on a movie I really liked that came out in the last few years The Dirties did you guys see it? Mm-hmm. oh yeah I think that's actually mm-hmm. really similar I, I think the, like, the filmmaker said that that was like, a big oh, wow. influence on them and, hmm. um, I feel like that was like a slightly more you know, modern younger take of it. I also think it's funny that like two hours ago when we started this conversation, you're like, these movies about artists made me want to go out there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All of them made me yeah, want right. mm-hmm. to
3: find out something really crazy about me. So I guess
1: yeah. I know what Ronald and I are doing <laughs> after this. Yeah. Uh, going on a killing. <laughs> <the is> Ronald <laughs> locks
0: the door. And none of you are going anywhere.
1: <laughs>
3: You know, uh, Kid Cudi actually made a music video version of this. Oh, okay. no, I didn't know that. And that, like, I had no idea. And my friend told me like years later, and I looked at it. It's, it's, it's pretty much a recreation of it hmm. in, in seven minutes
0: or so. Wow. Did anybody have any also rants that they wish they could have fit on their list?
1: I Actually, have one. I didn't bring it up because I was afraid that no one has heard of it. Because yeah. uh, every time I bring it up in conversation and recommend it to people, no one knows what I'm talking about. Has anybody ever heard of the movie I Am Not a Hipster? Mm-mm. No, um, I stumbled across this. My wife and I were just looking for movies on demand, um, and we thought the title was terrible, and mm. we just wanted to yes. see what it was. And it turned out it was a micro-budget movie by the dude who directed uh, Short Term 12, which is a All movie right. I really, really like. And oh, this wow, was yeah. his first feature film. Um, and basically, it's kind of like how we made like Wits End. It's the dude put his friends in mo- in the movie, shot it digitally for like no money. Um, but it's about a, a musician in Austin. Who uh, you know? It's just kind of going through a tough time, and he just stumbles through a bunch of events. But great soundtrack, great movie. It's one of those ones that like I just wish more people have heard of it. And that dude, um, I forget it's Destin something um, who directed Short Term Twelve. That guy's mm-hmm. gonna end up doing some awesome stuff because to see the progression from one movie to the other, especially, is so mm-hmm. cool. And I love Short Term Twelve, and this is. Um, when I found out it was the same director, it was kind of blew my mind a little bit because I love both of those movies That's so cool. differently. Yeah. But it's a really good flick. If you like Inside Llewyn Davis, it's kind of similar to that. Okay, cool.
0: write that down. Definitely. I am, I
4: um,
2: nothing I don't, really? I, think I had
1: Obvious Child, which I was going to mention, but Ronald
2: covered that. A very small part of me, I don't know what this says about me, wants to say Eight Mile. Mm, great. Um, I like that movie. I man. don't know what it is about Eight Mile, but... Uh, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I was also going to say boys in the hood just in terms of like a, a period of time and how how that genre of of music affected people in that moment and the people that came out of the moment. Right. Um but I don't know something about 8 Mile. I don't know what it is. I don't know if maybe it's seeing uh somebody play themselves.
3: I think and, I know you did, their you vibe, it. why you did. Why? Because Clarence's parents had a very good marriage. <laughs> I always thought that you part was amazing. Um, <laughs> Eight,
1: Eight Mile actually reminds me of Hustle and Flow. Yeah, author, yeah, that yeah movie, Hustle and Flow is great. Which is a movie that, oddly enough, my dad is obsessed with. Wow. wow who's a 57-year-old white guy. But... Um, yeah, it like talk it, out there for a pin. Yeah, <laughs> but I just remember Eight Mile actually reminds me of that just because the way my dad, who watched the movie way before I did, pitched it to me as it's Rocky for rap music, and, it and legit it is Eight Mile actually it reminds is me man, that too. it legit is uh, yeah yeah. So I definitely yeah I love those movies. Was a good one too. Yeah, I don't know
2: so I don't know what it is about Eight Mile. I, I think just because like at that time like just I w- I've never really been super into like rap or hip hop, but very exposed to it. And at like his height, Eminem was like, you know, yeah. when I was in high school, I had no comprehension of how somebody could be so big. And then to see him like be in a movie about... essentially You, you were
0: in high school when Eminem came out. Okay. <laughs> uh, I'm just going to go lay down in my sarcophagus. <laughs>
2: um, you know, just it was like kind of weird. Like, I just remember like kind of piecing it all I've together. I've already mummified
0: like... all my servants, <laughs> so they're going to be in there with me. <laughs>
2: I don't know never mind i don't know <laughs> eight miles something about it i didn't put it on my list but no, that's it, a really it, good pick though it, it like, came to mind when i was thinking about it only because like i think me bridging like the reality of him being the biggest thing in life in music at the at least at that yeah. point and like where he's playing essentially himself in the movie right. about him and that is also like huge and the soundtrack it's mm-hmm. a, like where do, it's like the cycle was just there it's like it, yeah. it's just feeding itself like he's it's like I something so that doesn't
0: happen that often that. is when like, because it was Curtis Hansen yeah. coming off of LA Confidential, right? Correcting right. yep. that. Yep. So it's like it was a big, it was not a vanity project type film. I think that's what made it seem really unusual when it came out was yeah. that Curtis Hansen is doing the Eminem movie. That just seems strange, mm-hmm. you know? But it was, and, and I also think it's smart because it, it is the story of his rise or his yeah. coming into his own, but it does not. Thank goodness, start when he's three. Exactly. <laughs> and he, he's just watching a guy freestyle on the corner and saying, I can do that And yeah. there's like No you can't. You'll <laughs> never be a <laughs> rapist You know <laughs> I had on my list two movies that I just didn't want to mention again on the show, but I might do it again just now, is The Shining and Barton Fink. Those both deal with creative people. Okay. And oh, also, Shaman. I've given so much love to Christopher Guest, but like Waiting for Guffman or The or, or A Mighty Wind could oh, both yeah. have, have I thought been of Spinal Tap a lot, lot Yeah, Spinal yeah, Tap, yeah. for sure. And then also Adaptation. That's a movie I haven't oh, seen wow. in a that's long a, time. Yeah. I, seen I
1: wouldn't even have thought of that for this category. Yeah. That's a great, great movie.
0: One of those times when uh, Nicolas Cage... Showed up and was really good, you know. It still happens,
2: yeah.
3: CB4,
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> all black, y'all. All black, y'all. All at the black, and I'm black, y'all. <laughs>
3: that
1: was the best song. Sorry.
3: God, that no, movie we was funny as fuck to me, man. Oh, god. Thanks for coming, Mike.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Really I, it, no, it's uh, I, I love the show, like, it's honestly, it's like one of the uh. I only like local podcasts that I, I make time to listen to. Not that oh, like I'm like so busy, but like I, I genuinely love when you guys put out a new episode. Oh, that's so great. Oh, it's been a pleasure to cool. be on here. Please have me back. Absolutely. Not even to talk about my own movie. I'd love to just shoot the shit with you guys. Yeah. Well, yeah you either and have to great.
0: remain affable so that we think of asking you on again <laughs> yeah. or get that next movie done as quick as you can. But uh, now two. I'm motivated. yeah. yeah. Bumpfest yeah. wasn't enough. Now yeah. I got <laughs> to get, get that movie shmooby. If you could maybe slip okay. us some Bump Fest passes. <laughs> we'll so, we'll talk on it. Yeah,
2: yeah, oh, yeah we can work on it. <laughs> we
1: will
3: be there.
2: <laughs> so, yeah, uh, as Ronald mentioned last episode, we are now on Google Music, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. formerly known as Google Play, maybe still known as Google Play. I don't really use Google, but apparently it's on there. Yeah. And that's for those of you who don't want to download, but would rather stream this. It seems to be a really good option. Stream so, the shit out of Ronald's it. Ronald's very excited about it still after I'm the so last excited. episode. I'm so excited. Um, and we're also on uh, iTunes, obviously. Um where some people found us, but if you if you subscribe to us on iTunes, it really helps uh, in terms of people trying to find podcasts about movies, about film, about anything really relating to the two. Uh, in terms of suggesting us to new new listeners, which would be greatly appreciated if you could subscribe, review it, star it, give it a rating, anything like that. That would be greatly appreciated. And uh, and we are actively working on trying to find out uh, if there's any new venues that we can kind of throw our music, our, our podcast out onto. And, uh, and and get you, people. You've been
0: thinking this was music this whole time. I, I don't know, yeah.
2: M- music's music. It's music it's music. It's acapella. But yeah, the goal the goal is to get it out. Ronald Ronald's ultimate goal is that we gotta get on Spotify. Yeah, we know? gotta get That's on no Spotify. Secret. Ronald is a Spotify guy. I'm a Spotify so guy. So we gotta get up on that Spotify. People but, just uh, for type now that shit in Google and... iTunes, do what you want to do with it, but uh, hopefully you can find us some way or another. And uh, hopefully you guys will be looking out for for Mike's film Witsend whenever whenever it finds its way to a screening near you. What, what, do you have a site for this? Yeah, uh,
1: witsandfilm.com. Ooh, and okay. uh, it, uh, according to the poster I just had texted me, it'll be at the Senator uh, May 24th as part of Bump Fest. So. Okay, oh, cool. Okay. So if you're in the Baltimore
2: area listening to this and you want to come see a, a great film from a local filmmaker who's I'm sure has more greatness to come, Based on his timeline, he's going to pretty much have a movie every 11 to 12 months. That's what we're expecting. <laughs> that, that's been yeah. promised. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're going to into that. But uh, definitely come check out the film at Bump Fest. And if you have any other questions, I'm sure there's some contact information on your website, I hope. Yeah what's Or, that or social doctor? media for you Anything like that Are you much oh, of
1: Yeah uh, uh, Twitter uh, That Mike Finazzo We're on Facebook Just put in Mike Finazzo I'm friends with Ronald so Okay oh, Very good very You, good. Good. I, I, you I, just type in fr- Friends of Ronald Yeah and yeah you'll probably come <laughs> right You <up>. Google <laughs> Friends of Ronald James And I'm like Right after right Obama, Go to <laughs> <so>.
0: <laughs> Go to Google Music yeah, yeah And type in Friends of Ronald James <laughs> And just see what happens
3: That is just like An animated GIF Of a kid slipping On its own <laughs> Pamper Yeah <laughs> <laughs>
0: Now when you say slipping on its own pamper. Do you mean slipping them on or do you mean like or slipping on it? Slipping,
3: slipping on, on it. a shitty yeah. pamper. Yes, yeah. <laughs> <Yeah, it's> gross.
2: <laughs> oh man. Well Mike again, thank you for coming. Thanks for yeah, having yeah, a guys, blast. Was awesome. yes. Truly we'll have you back sometime soon, I'm sure. As always, guys, you've made our day. Take care.
3: Uh, and I'm black, you And I'm blacker than black. And I'm black, y'all. And I'm black, you And I'm black, you And I'm blacker than black. And I'm black, you I'm black black, blacker than black, black. I'm blacker than black, yo. Because I'm black and I'm black, yo. I'm black and I'm black, you And I'm blacker than black and I'm black, you And I'm black, you And I'm black, you And I'm